Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we like to talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. I am Don Marshall. I'm a big chubby guy living here in Hollywood, and I am your dwarven cleric of healing today. <laughs> Dan is so oh, screwed on this one. Uh, <laughs> says you, I do some patterns so that Dan can have some time to think up what he's going to say. <laughs> oh, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll do something. It'll be fascinating. Uh, hello, my name is Dan Oliverio, an author, public speaker, and chubby chaser, and uh, I am a gallant bard. I don't know what that Ooh. means, but I figure I am one. I, I see it. I, I, see I it. could see you like gallivanting about. Yes. Oh, I often gallivant. <laughs> uh, I'm Trevor Keaton. I am a super chub living here in West Hollywood, and I am a uh, a mimic disguised as a delicious pie. <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. And I am Michael. I'm a chaser, and um, I am the amp- anthropomorphic anthropomorphic hedgehog sitting on the shoulder of the warrior orc telling him what to do, but not actually doing anything myself. <laughs> I just, I love I should have picked the that. image <laughs> of Michael as a little hedgehog. <laughs> Good Saturday morning to you yes. and to everybody out there. Well, Wednesday, <clears throat> Wednesday morning. This yeah. is live, isn't it? <laughs> I just watched a video on YouTube about blood spatter analysis and it was fucking fascinating. <laughs> it reminds me of the Dexter promo. <laughs> it kind of was. They had a whole like plastic like room mm-hmm. set up and he put a bunch of blood on a, a board and then hit it with a hammer and just went poof everywhere. It is the Christmas season. Yeah. Yay, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Everything's red and white. I'm just <laughs> picturing somebody in a big white plastic covered room with jars of blood everywhere singing, it's the most <laughs> wonderful time uh, of the year. Smash, uh, yeah. smash, 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 smash. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is how we celebrate here on the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Yeah. It's not mayhem, it's Mother Christmas Mother would be ham. so proud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is a tradition of telling scary stories around Christmas time. Horror movies like I'll Be Home for Christmas. <laughs> and Godmothered. Yes, and Godmothered. Di- Michael yes, diving which, right on in. <laughs> yes, uh, no segue for you. <laughs> um, we talked earlier this year when we did our uh our Disney Disney fat Disney characters episode. Um about a a movie that Disney was producing called Godmothered, which is focuses on the fairy godmother as the main character. And they made this fast. Is anyone else surprised by how quickly this came out? I, it just came out. I'm shocked. And also um, the trailer came out, I think it was last month. And like, it's like, oh, it's also a Christmas movie. Cause why not? <laughs> um, which I was saying to Dan this morning, like, <laughs> I feel like a Christmas movie is in a different category of movie where it's like the stakes are lower in terms of like, I don't expect a Christmas movie to be good. Yeah, sure. Because it's, it it's really different. It follows different rules. Hard. <laughs> well, and, and, yeah. I, and I think the reason we're talking about this is because it's basically a uh, a pretty young fat girl in the lead as the as the. I guess the earlier incarnation of the fairy godmother who grows up to become mm-hmm. maybe Cinderella's fairy godmother or any number of fairy godmothers in her old age. Cause we see her, yeah, old, so we see her old, you know, in those movies. She's played by Jillian Bell, um, who uh, is definitely not a thin actress. I mean, I think you could, I, I guess Hollywood, fat, Hollywood is that fat, yeah. the best way to, yeah. um, and she gets the starring role as the godmother, fairy godmother who um, basically gets sent out of the fairy, uh, the magical fairy tale world into the real world to help who she thinks is a young girl in need of a fairy godmother and who is, in fact, actually a full grown woman uh, with lots of real world problems. Because she seems to have gotten there a bit late, I guess, is the implication. Yes. Um, I My fear is that this is going to be another film in which the fat person is asexual and incompetent. Um but it's a Christmas movie, so it's heartwarming and lovely. And as I was saying to Trevor, like you can't have everything, I guess. The fa- you, you do have a fat person in the lead. Take it and be grateful. It looked cute. I didn't really have any strong reactions to the trailer one way or the other. It just looked like a cute, sort of fluffy Disney movie. I'm sure it fits well for Christmas. I thought the lines yeah. were really funny that I heard in the preview. Um, I would watch it. We were going to watch it last night. <laughs> 
But uh, Mandalorian won out, so <laughs> uh, Don was saying the same thing happened to him. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> but if you would like to check out Godmothered, it is on Disney Plus right now, and uh, at least one of us will try and watch that. I mean, I'm caught. We're, we're caught up with the Mandalorian, so now we have to. We can watch it. <laughs> well, uh, further into the world of uh, fat representation in movies, uh, and this is. <laughs> this is kind of a mixed thing. So uh, the film adaptation of The Prom uh, is coming out soon. And uh, there's been a lot of uh, controversy around James Corden's portrayal of the gay character. Oh, I wouldn't say controversy. He is getting hammered, poor boy. Yeah. And it yeah. is consistent. It is like yeah. universal backlash among critics. And and I so much so that it's I, I can't find any tape of him doing what they claim he's doing because there's it's not out yet and then i went back mm -hmm. and i looked at the stage at the stage musical and looking at the character and how it was played there and you know the character says of himself he's as gay as a bucket of wigs so <laughs> I, I and and some of the assassinations of james corden's performance are more nuanced than others uh some people are complaining that it's not that it's so gay it's that because he's straight he can't fill that form he doesn't have the mm -hmm. inherent knowledge of being gay and of being that kind of person mm -hmm. uh some people just say he's the poor man's miscast and he had no chance of doing this well mm -hmm. uh which i mm -hmm. think is probably the most accurate uh, i don't know what do you guys think i it's it's that real it's that age-old problem of like at what point do you accept that an actor is an actor who's meant to play things other than who they are, or at what point do you have to say no, but we still need the representation first and then we can get into, you know, anyone can play anyone. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little, I haven't seen it. I wish, I yeah, wish that's we could the problem. have yeah, we haven't seen, seen it. how it comes out. I, uh, I don't have a, a really clear direction on this one because I, I like to think that, in a perfect world, you can cast a straight actor in a gay part and like nobody should care, but and vice versa, is that yeah. not where we are yet? Well, and I, I wonder I, like when, again, when I, when I look at the, at the stage musical, it's, you know, the man is the actor is gay and he plays it gay. Is it over the top gay? I don't know. Yes. But I wonder if the argument here is two. one is one of the arguments that, well, you can be over the top flamboyant gay as long as you're gay. And I also wonder, and just because it's that part of that paranoia, is he getting this kind of shit because as a fat man, it doesn't look quite gay. Is that interfering mm. with people's perception of it? Even if unconsciously. I, another way to phrase that, or an, at least another angle on that exact sentiment is, you know, if, if all the bitchy queens out there who are judging his performance were attracted to him, would they be judging him differently? Exactly. I mean, so one thing, like when they first kind of, I think the first thing they released was the poster showing the cast and then the trailer and then all this controversy came out. And I mean, I was surprised they cast James Corden, but also not because it's like, I mean, they're going for names. It's He's Ryan the biggest Murphy's musical theater male in the yeah. biz right now. Right now. Yeah. And it's Ryan Murphy's Netflix's adaptation <laughs> of the prom. Yeah. So it makes sense that like, you know, they would cast him over Nathan Lane because Nathan Lane has a huge career. He's wonderful. He's talented. But like, I think Gen Z probably doesn't really know Nathan Lane as well as James Corden. I mean, there was a whole thing. Yeah. Um, uh, Chris, poor Christopher Rosa wrote an article for Teen Vogue that went viral because it was saying like, oh my God, uh, Catherine O'Hara from um, Schitt's Creek is the mom in Home Alone. Oh my God, really? And it was oh. all of these, you know, <laughs> there was a lot of, very, you know, youth on Twitter discovering this for the first time, whereas, you know, uh, millennials, Gen X, and I don't know, maybe some uh less terrible boomers um we're all like yes this is a thing that happens well Actors i just want to have careers well you know i think the internet's going to friggin blow up when they discover that han solo is also indiana jones <laughs> wait what? the internet's going to lose their mind 
Uh, we just blew some heads open right now. I'll be honest, but though. I, I don't think that it's just it's just an attraction thing that's getting mm. him pulled mm. over the coals. Um, so when the the this the sexuality of the character is the joke, right? Um, as the way a straight person tends to play that sort of femi swishy thing, um, it never it it lacks a complexity than say well, like when Billy Porter does it, right? Mm-hmm. You bring someone in because they will put a life behind the eyes of that character. Yes, that a gay a, a straight person generally cannot. You know, there are a couple people that I've seen succeed in doing that. Like uh, the the person I always hold up as the example of the straight actor that nails the gay part, Michael C. Hall in Six Feet Under, mm. plays this. Mm. There's a there's a complicated yeah um, demeanor he puts off of someone who is closeted but gay. Um, mm-hmm. through most of the series then comes out through the arc. There's a subtlety to it that you, that most straight actors will never catch. There's a suggestion in this article we're referring to on IndieWire about the prom. Uh, somebody asks, was Titus Burgess busy uh, <laughs> among several other suggestions <laughs> yeah. of people to play the part? I think that would have been fantastic. Uh, I don't know. If I he- am, Once I read that, I'm like, I was instantly angry because I hadn't <laughs> been like, why not Titus Burgess? Like I hadn't made like connected those dots. And once they were connected for me, it's like, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next thing, I think this is probably one of the most interesting things yes. I've come across. And in a I while. think it's, I found this a while ago, but I thought it was good to bring up because Hanukkah starts on Friday and I think mm-hmm. it is important. Uh, take it, take it, Michael. Well, yeah. So we have um, an article that Trevor found, which I, was in initially intending to just sort of skim so that I could talk about it, and I just got sucked in. Uh, it's uh, on Tablet called Fat Liberation's Jewish Past and Future by Marissa Nathan Gerson. And it is a look and also a series of interviews at several different people in the fat liberation movement uh, from some Jewish perspectives and the Jewish roots in fat liberation, but also like dropping some absolute truth bombs along the way, things that I had just never considered or never connected the dots for like mm. digging into a lot of the really interesting history in fat liberation and how it's changed over the decades from its origins in the civil rights movements uh, and in racism and in just all of these intersectional um, roots that I, I hadn't fully connected the dots for even as long as we've been doing the show. And it is just fascinating from the anecdotes that she gets people talking about their their uh their stories and actually there was one particular one uh she this woman uh i'm gonna butcher her name i'm sure i think her name's kaya milchtin milchtin something like that um had an anecdote about growing up this i mean i'm i know this stuff happens but it blew my mind her she said it hit home at 15 and a half when i announced i was ready to be married and my father started looking for I, I don't know Hebrew, but Shiduchim for me, uh, suddenly my weight became a huge problem. The on-paper stats they offered potential suitors included height and weight, and weight became a huge sticking point. You have to lose weight, my father told me, and I didn't have a scale, so he told me to go to the UPS store and to get weight on a package mm. scale. <sighs> I could keep going, but I won't. But like, these are the people who then took that that origin and turned it into working in the fat liberation movement. So it's a turns out into a pot, but it just, well, oh. what I particularly love about the article is it because of the, of the source, it also talks about Judaism and the spiritual practice and that of healing. And the idea that is very much a part of my work of healing the self to help to heal the world that, mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the first universe you're dealing with is your own and you, and by coming to terms with what's happened to you and and rising above that, you can then take that out into the world. And I thought that was a really, uh, they don't say it that way, of course, but I, I thought that was a really beautiful intersection that I've never heard before mm-hmm. of, of the idea of fat liberation with spiritualism. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And it's, it's, it's kind of a crash course in a lot of ways for the, for the, if you, if you just want some really well-constructed, at least as far as I can tell, uh, bullet points about how fat liberation has evolved over the last like 60 years. Mm-hmm. 
it really hits a lot of those points and and wraps them into this this storyline they have with the the people they talk to. Yeah, it's it's a wonderfully constructed piece, so definitely check it out. Yeah, um, but it's uh, <laughs> no segue for you because I, I can I can give you I can give you I can give you a segue if you want one. <laughs> okay, yes, do it, Dan. So one, name that segue. One of the great things about this article is that it talks about people from backgrounds you wouldn't have suspected before, you wouldn't think of maybe as fat liberation within, let's say, the Orthodox community and things like that. And part of our Lizzo watch uh, this episode is talking about uh, people who are, you know, Lizzo is not the only person doing fat liberation and body positivity. Uh, in fact, fat, Refinery29 has a whole article about it. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that means it's Lizzo watch. <laughs> 2020. Yay! One of the last ones. Yeah. Um, and actually, so Lizzo is actually kind of like, I think, hibernating a bit. Well deserved. Um, mm -hmm. But there is still, you know, everyone is kind of doing their like year end wrap ups. And Lizzo is hitting some major ones. Um, yeah. She was in uh, Insiders 15 Celebrities Who Had the Best Style of 2020. Um, oh, I don't good. think she was, they, I don't think they really numbered them. I think they just kind of were giving people yeah. shout outs. Um, but Lizzo was there well-deserved um, and kind of they specifically showed her vote dress. Yes. Which is by Kristen Siriano, champion of uh, the I don't know, fat fat need of clothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm looking at the dress again and it's, I just love it. It's so. And let's not forget, by the way, the match matchbook sized purse that shocked the world. Yes. <laughs> I mean, she is, she is setting trends everywhere she goes. <laughs> yes. Is that a purse or a lipstick? <laughs> it's both <laughs> um but blowing minds including on tiktok oh yeah which, um mm -hmm. tiktok also kind of released their uh year-end trends and lizzo was number three in the most uh, i don't know if it was followed or in like engage received most engagement of celebrities on tiktok hmm. yeah top a-list celebrities yes which is Awesome. Um, um, and we've definitely shared some of the stuff that she's done on TikTok, but I want to cure. I want, I want to meet the person who curates the a list and, <laughs> and do they also curate the B list or is that a separate person? Ed, no, it's a different person. You can't mix together here. It's too much power. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then finally I shared an article, uh, the article that Dan mentioned from refinery 29 saying, uh, the title is we cannot let, keep letting Lizzo do the heavy lifting, uh, reframing the fat body. And it's just a, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful piece. And I think also, um, I mean, Lizzo kind of talked about this, um, in her David Letterman thing that she uh, kind of fell into this because she's fat and political. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to, I mean, part, uh, part of the podcast and part of even the Lizzo watch segment is to kind of, to see what she's doing and take, take from that and follow that and, emulate mm -hmm. that and take inspiration from it yeah well it's true mm -hmm. because all 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 of her fat activism is really stuff that anybody can do it's just that she has a whole lot more people watching her do it yeah mm -hmm. i mean you and could she does you, it boldly yeah I mean, well i mean she, you can twerk on tiktok you can have a tiny purse on the internet you can i mean there's a lot of stuff you can do <laughs> it's not it's not something that you need a million dollars and a stylist to accomplish this is true. And and we see people doing it, but in the article, um, which but there's more to it. It's not just about Lizzo. Yeah. Um, That's the point. It, there's a lot of other really cool aspects to this interview. Um, but she does talk about how it's, it's easier to, to watch somebody like Lizzo taking these bold steps and to cheer them on, uh, than it is to actually, you know, like if you see Lizzo talking to herself in the mirror and praising herself, you can cheer her on, but also try and find ways to, to do that for yourself as well. Like, mm -hmm. what do you say to yourself when you look in the mirror mm -hmm. um, and to actually put into action the things that you appreciate in somebody like Lizzo? I feel like Lizzo, there's got to be some parallels here to her being the first out person in Hollywood as far as being fat. Definitely. Like mm. there have always been fat actors. There always have been. But once they reach a certain level in their career, they get defatted by sort of the way the public looks at them like they're they're right. now acceptable like roseanne yeah. melissa mccarthy <laughs> a lot of them people and uh, john goodman people ex mm -hmm. know they're fat 
but it's sort of like what gay people used to be like in Hollywood. Like we know they're gay. We just don't talk about it mm-hmm. for that one be because they've gotten to a point where it doesn't matter anymore. Well, when, but, when their fame eclipses people's nastiness about being impolite about their yes. size, you know, mm-hmm. you know. So one of the things I like about this article before you move on is it, it's so it's an interview with um, a Grace Barbie Plenty, Grace <clears throat> Barber Plenty, excuse me, um, who's a film curator. And she put together uh, this basically programmed a, a short film uh, screening uh, that celebrates the fat form and I, and, and including a live performance by um, a fat pole dancer afterwards, which mm. is awesome. Mm. And very much, I think in on brand for, for Lizzo fans. <laughs> um, I've never seen yeah. anyone dance on top of a Polish person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you and isn't Trevor, Let me me say, I have done some (laughs) dancing on top of some, some poles, (laughs) some rods, some poles. Okay. And before we move on to our, our main subject for today, uh, we had a request for the chasers in the audience. Uh, Dan, you had the most succinct way to put this. I'm going to let you say it. (laughs) Yeah, we, um, we've had some interest from our listeners, uh, about chasers and, the question comes so far, Chaser listeners, what was it like for you? We'd love to hear from you. Find, contact us, reach out on social media. What was it like mm-hmm. for you growing up Chaser? Or are there problems you still face today uh, being a Chaser that you know you recognize from childhood? Or maybe there's new problems, but just stuff you'd like to talk about or things that you'd like to share as something you feel is unique to your being a Chaser? Yeah, um, we're going to basically take some of the stories or all of the stories that we hear from you guys over the next couple of weeks and, and talk about them. I mean, Dan and I have talked a lot about our experience as chasers, but I think it would be really fun to, to get a collective as well and to see what the people out there in other parts of the world are going through as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'll have the social media at the end. If you don't know how to reach out to us, uh, big fat gay pod is the short answer. Yes. Um, but uh, let's, get into our main subject for today trevor i'm gonna throw this to you because i think you're gonna say this (laughs) maybe better than i would uh because i'm gonna get angry yeah um (laughs) so kind of there's two things that kind of prompted this idea for the topic and the first was uh the new york times had an article called uh our kid fluencers making our kids fat and basically Mm -hmm. the article is looking at um child influencers on youtube promoting childhood obesity by like one of the examples was like there's a mcdonald's play set where it's like if your kid wants to imagine they work at mcdonald's which uh-huh. um there's a whole <laughs> lot going on there that that's a, that's another show to unpack a mcdonald's play set and capitalism and all of that which is i mean this Baby's is nothing first wage new. slave job yeah. <laughs> this is this whole concept of the devil du jour trying to make your kids fat. I mean, in the past we've seen it be cartoons, breakfast cereals. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Mc- McDonald's doesn't serve children soda anymore because soda, big soda is trying to make your kids fat. Um, but then a couple weeks later, there was a wonderful piece by uh your fat friend aka Aubrey Gordon called uh mm-hmm. Leave Fat Kids Alone. Yes. Which was it's an amazing piece uh and it's basically just kind of talking about the you know this thing that people think is good because we you know we're always trying to protect the children but how much harm that does to children Mm -hmm. she starts the article with a really powerful anecdote which i i kind of want to read so we can take it as a jumping off point Mm -hmm. um because when i was reading the kid fluences article i on a base level i was like okay i mean i i get how people are connecting the dots here as far as like oh this very young child like i think eight-year-old Somewhere around an eight-year-old boy is like pretending to serve McDonald's well, and then uh, blah blah blah. Should I give a little background to that because I think it might be helpful here before you contrast? This yeah, if you want to, if you want to, because for people who haven't read the New York Times, the Kid Fluencers piece, it's it's more than just oh, fat kids are eating food on video. It's not that. It's it's actually more about how these kid fluencers, like any influencers, are being pitched and paid to endorse products that other kids might enjoy playing with, you know, like a McDonald's playset, in mm-hmm. which your child can be a, a, a cashier at McDonald's and other stuff. And 
a lot of this or, or like, boy, Doritos would like to, you know, ha have a presence there. And so it's it's sort of this mixture of capitalism and diet that the childhood obesity folks have chosen to jump up and down on the diet part, whereas other people might jump up and down on the capitalism part yeah. trying to turn, <laughs> turn children into, you know, good young consumers and aspire to uh, minimum wage jobs that will never support them. <laughs> I think it just, <laughs> I think a side, a side element of this also is that YouTube does not allow for this kind of ad revenue to come through in their actual ads for videos. So mm -hmm. this is a workaround that major companies like McDonald's, Hasbro, whatever, have found to get their advertisements into these videos without placing ads that YouTube doesn't allow, which I think is a related but also separate issue. Yes. It's insidious is what I'm getting at. And um, anytime you put something out for kids below a certain age, it's problematic because they, they don't understand the concept of advertising yet. They just see mm -hmm. whatever put in front of them as absolute truth. I know that's the benefit, don't you see, Don? <laughs> that's what they, that's what the companies have going for them. <laughs> so the initial New York Times article about kidfluencers felt fairly, you know, neutrally presented until I started reading uh, your Fat Friends article, which starts with an anecdote. She says, "I was in fourth grade, sitting in a doctor's office, the first time my face flushed with shame. I was. I had just learned overweight." Apparently the physician, the pediatrician said to her, it's probably from eating all that pizza and ice cream. It tastes good, doesn't it? But it makes your body big and fat. Just imagine that your body is made out of clay. If you can just stay the same weight as you grow, you'll stretch out. And once you grow up, you'll be thin and beautiful. Won't that be great? <laughs> and breaking down what that kind of a message does to a kid where I think I mean, on the one hand, people love to talk about how easily influenced kids are, but at the same time, they love to dismiss the kind of impact, the kind of emotional and psychological impact that saying things like that will have on a child. Mm -hmm. It's it's like out of speaking out of one side of your mouth, like, okay, so you're, you're saying that kids are so easily influenced by seeing this ad, you know, this hidden ad about McDonald's, and yet you're not also copping to the fact that if you tell kids how shameful it is to be fat, that it's going to it's going to damage them. It's going to hurt them. It's going to leave these long lasting scars because kids are easily influenced and kids are sensitive. They're extremely mm -hmm. sensitive. Yeah. I think that's brilliant, um, Michael. That's a really great way to, to, to see it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember the first time, you know, my pediatrician kind of awkwardly gave me, you know, the, the weight talk and like showing me, you know, my growth chart and like, oh, well, you know, you're still in this percentile and this mm -hmm. isn't, this trend is going and it's, you know, this isn't a good thing, but like, I, I am a literal child. I have no idea <laughs> yeah. why, like, I'm looking at this chart. Like, I mean, and is he there to take responsibility for the fact that you hate math and percentiles? Yes. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just like looking at this chart, like generally when a chart is like going up, it's like, I'm like, this seems like a good thing. Maybe <laughs> <Yes>. like <laughs> capitalism explains so much. Capitalism, capitalism yes. teaches us that anything that goes up is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just like this, uh, just this very strange, like, trying to have a conversation with a child that like you shouldn't be having he doesn't he did not know how to have well that's because there's no good and way to have the conversation that your body is wrong and you should yeah. fix it and especially yeah. at that age there's no way to prep yourself for that conversation mm -hmm. like now when i go to the doctor's office i'm usually ready to brace myself for some even some sideline fat thing when i'm going in so now i'm ready now i'm prepared mm. i am protected at that age, you're completely permeable to this stuff, and it can land hard. I, I, uh, for Trevor, you can remember the first time. I can't. It. That's how innate it was to me. I was mm. always a fat kid. It was always something that was being brought up as a negative trait, mm -hmm. you know. And I think for me, and I'm not going to say this is a universal experience for all gay chubby guys uh, that were chubby young, but um, I'm sure Dan can get into the the concept of the good boy syndrome. That that sits mm -hmm. on most gay men comes from the fact that they feel like uh, at a young age when you hear that much casual homophobia um, and it's very clear that being gay is simply an innately bad thing uh, from your parents. 
you begin to believe that love is not a constant that if they find out you're gay, that love can Mm. be taken away and that you can be expulsed. That's so, so you learn to hide that. But if that's the case for gay people, imagine what it's like being fat. That is the flaw in you. That is the thing that makes you less than, and that is the thing that makes your love endangered from your parents and those around you. Because in a world of absolutes, you're good or bad and fat is bad. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's so fascinating and frustrating to me how people who love to talk about health so frequently ignore or discount what your emotional health does to your physical health. And what happens when a kid is being told so many things that make them feel awful, that make them depressed, that give them psychological battles to fight that they never had beforehand for the rest of their teenage years or for the rest of their 20s? And and what impact does that have on your health? What impact does that have on your stress levels, uh, which are hard to quantify, but have very real impacts on health and mortality. And, and, and people love to talk about things that they think they can measure. But the truth is that yes, kids are sponges, but not just for food and not just for what you perceive to be like the cause of their unhealthfulness. It's, it's so much deeper than that. And if you, if you want to like, you can't cherry pick the ways in which you can influence a kid's health like it's 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 about more than that. And as, well, no, as, as a stunning as a professional doctor with a clipboard and some charts. <laughs> I disagree, Michael, because if you look at these I charts, just like the shiny thing you wear on your forehead. <laughs> yeah. that's well, that's for hypnotism purposes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I think, Michael, you really hit it when you say that, like, oh, my God, if my child sees a McDonald's commercial, it'll scar them for life and lead them to, you know, immobility because they'll get so fat. But mm. when I tell them that, you know, they're worthless and fat and they should really shape up, they're just being thin skinned if they take offense at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You're trying yeah, to toughen them it. up and get them to a better place. You know, it's like Which by scarring some, them forever. Well, and there's a lot of people and they're usually people who have been scarred who will attest to how much that worked for them which is really eerie. And you can hear this all the way from the people who say, well, you know, my father took a belt to me and it only made me a better person. And you, you hear it from Henry Cavill, who in an interview said like, uh, this agent told me that I was getting kind of chunky and I'm really glad he said it so I could lose weight. Yeah. Yeah. He has said that. And, and it's, it's this idea that, uh, that abuse is useful uh, for keeping people in line. Uh, you hear it from uh, from child abusers. You hear it from uh, abusers of women that so-and-so deserved it, so-and-so needs it. And then you have the people who fall victim to that th- saying, yes, we did deserve it. We did need it. Well, I think it's it's similar to what you say, Dan, about like when a fat person loses weight and they love that they're thin, but a lot of times it's it's at least partially because they are being treated differently by the oh, rest of the world. Absolutely. It's that idea that like, yeah. And they're treating themselves ha- differently. Right. It's that idea that like, if you are, if you're taking this abusive experience and turning it around into a way to make yourself feel better, it's, it's just that you are overcoming your situation. Like you have found pride in, in doing something to make yourself feel better. But that that sort of has this false assumption that you had to start from a place of abuse that you somehow had needed the abuse to be able to, to succeed. But that, but what happens when you never got that abuse? Would you feel happier? Would you still be fine? And people just assume that it has to start from this awful place. Not only people Mm -hmm. just assume, but it is the very premise. It is the guiding principle of a show like the biggest loser where Mm. the abuse is necessary. It's part of the show. It's part of the premise that we must abuse these people so they can get right. Okay, Uh, I'm depressed now. (laughs) I was, but now I'm too depressed. (laughs) I I think one of the things, like, so we, you know, we see the people who say, oh, well, you know, this abusive system worked for me, but we see (laughs) far more where it doesn't work. And, you know, they look at all of these things with, you know, childhood obesity and how it affects the body, but they don't really do an in-depth analysis of how severe emotional and psychological trauma in conjunction with a higher body weight and a developing mind, a developing body 
the body going through these changes, chemical changes, the brain growing and wiring and, and rewiring. rewiring and all of the, you know, all of these things, which it's, it's just kind of mind numbing to me that like, we don't like, there's so much focus in this area, but not really in these like areas within. Yeah. Seemingly obvious places of study, or at least if they are being studied, it doesn't feel like it gets nearly the same headlines as something like kid fluences or making our children fat. Yeah. Like the, um, well, it's good. The, clickbait. The, I mean, the stress response of a child who I, I don't like the word overweight, but for the, you know, the sake, cause we're talking about medically, the, the medical industry, mm-hmm. a child who is overweight and just constantly in this stress response because mm-hmm. every, you know, they wake up, they're getting harassment from their parents. They're getting harassment at school. They're dealing with whatever food issues are being ingrained in them at lunch. They go home. It starts again. They go to sleep. You know, it's just this cycle of when you are told you're wrong, it just, it, it, you're living in this state that your body should not be. And we've seen, you know, there's been studies that when the body is reacting to stress, it will store fat. Yeah, but and that's wrong. Of becomes, the, that's that's wrong of the body, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if the if the body would just look at this chart in my hand. <laughs> well, and if yeah, you create these long term associations, like for me, I was a fat kid, right? Mm-hmm. So my mom spent an awful lot of time looking at anything I would eat, right? Mm-hmm. Like just even if she was, she would usually say something. Don't get me wrong, but even if I was able to eat something, she would watch it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and not so silently judge me for it, you know, which mm. gave <laughs> me this really weird relationship with food where mm. like <laughs> it's a dirty thing. I should probably never eat anything is what my brain, my mind is mm. always telling me. But at the same time, food is not only like an illicit joy, mm-hmm. but, it, you know, <laughs> in a world that I grew up in, it was a cardinal joy that I could control. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the only thing that I had available to me that could give relief from some of those pressures. So <laughs> as I grow up, it continues into this yeah. weird relationship with food I have. And it's, the same thing with exercise. You know, exercise was never presented as something fun. It was presented as something I had to do because I was fat. So mm-hmm. it was, so exercise to this day is a punishment, you know? It's, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. it's funny that you mentioned the thing with your mom and the, the watching the food because that instantly made me think of. So my mom had this thing with, um, I don't know if there she was on some kind of, I feel like maybe she was on a diet at the time, but like she, we, we, she would always get the Pepperidge farm frozen baguettes and have like baguette with dinner, but it was like oh, her wow. bread. And I, there was a t- like, we all wanted this, you know, little t- awful baguette really. But <laughs> there was, I, there was a time she just snapped during dinner and she said i see you eyeing my bread <laughs> oh and, oh my. It, <laughs> and i awful. think i know my mom wow. her weight fluctuated throughout my childhood and like like normal people you know but there was a big thing with like fluctuating weight and i know she was like thinner at the time so i did that's why i'm thinking like in looking back i think there was like a diet thing going on at the time but that like very i don't know i mean obviously that stuck with me and it like flashed back in this moment of thinking about having your food intake analyzed trevor do you want to share the pizza story or or no oh my god okay so (laughs) this is (laughs) so going off of (laughs) my mom and carbs (laughs) it just seems to she was telling me a story this was actually like very like maybe last year or the year before like recent years telling me a story about she was with uh extended family and they got pizza and one of her cousins ate an entire pizza and who does that eating an entire pizza i mean you think about doing it (laughs) but no one actually eats an entire pizza I mean, you think about it. <laughs> I just love that admission of, well, of course everyone wants to, but you wouldn't let yeah. yourself. <laughs> everyone wants to eat a pizza. You don't eat a pizza. I mean, what would the neighbors say? <laughs> that really, <laughs> I wonder if your mom ever like secretly ate the entire pizza. Oh, I'm sure. Well, and, 
<laughs> the thing I always come back to is like, there are individual pizzas. Like, like yes. how big is a pizza? And a calzone technically is an entire pizza that's been folded in half. <laughs> Let no one ever tell you what size pizza is a personal pizza. That is a, <laughs> a personal pizza is a choice. That's right. That, that small, medium, and large thing is just a ruse to get you to buy more pizza. <laughs> I, I have I have stuff that I, I kind of want to talk about, but I think it might actually fit better in our Chaser episode. Uh, so I'm going to save it for then. Excellent. Because I, I think that would be... Oh. I think that would be a better so time. So what's to the best way that we can be allies to the younger, fat children in our lives? How buy do we... A, buy them a pizza. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> give, let them have the bread. <laughs> Just give let them... them eat cake. Give them some of your terrible baguette. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it is... There just needs, and I think, you know, we're getting, we're getting, it's not, I, I, Dan knows I have a thing with the word better. We're getting better at looking at the impact we have on children, but there's still a lot of ways to go. Um, and I think it is, I think the way we start helping children is by working on the trauma the lingering trauma in adults who are raising these children, Mm -hmm. um, which Dan um, at uh, models of pride spoke to um, parents of LGBTQIA plus youth. And I don't, I can't remember the exact bit. Do you want to talk about that? Um, I don't know that I remember what you're talking about. So, but it was basically a mother talking about how she was raised in this, environment where she has all of these issues with her body and her weight and she's working through them so that she doesn't instill them in Mm. her child and she knows that it's kind of this toxic relationship like with her own body is like leaking out into her kids a little and working through it herself so she can help her kid work through it and try to prevent like try to break the cycle of this this toxic body relationship well and some of the things that i would talk about with parents is that you know like oh but my my kid is getting fat they might be fat my kid is fat whatever it is and um, my point is there is absolutely nothing you're going to say to your child about their weight that's going to help them mm-hmm. the child knows they're fat because the world makes it their its business to tell them so the your child already knows that being fat is bad, wrong, and unhealthy because the world works overtime to make sure they know right. that they you know, your voice will not make the difference one way or the other. So there's absolutely nothing you need to say on that score. What you need to look at is you know what makes your child happy, what makes your child light up. If you serve that, you're going to have a great game. yeah. I think mm-hmm. just running with that, like understanding. I think it's so easy. People forget it seems so quickly how we forget that kids are by design sponges for every tiny little detail. They are hyper, hyper, hyper sensitive to everything. Things that we as adults completely ignore because we're used to it. We've, mm-hmm. we've been, you know, accustomed to whatever it is. that's going on. everything for kids. This is all mm-hmm. new. And, and the most innocuous thing can leave a lifelong impact on a kid because that's just how kids work. That's w- literally the way that they're designed is to just be sponges and to take it all in. And you have to approach that kind of a life with empathy. You have to be able to communicate with them in a way that's, that's going to encourage and support them. And I know that, I guess the Trevor, the... Pr- the problem that Trevor is talking about is that I think a lot of adults don't even realize when they're not doing that. Like they think that they're doing a good job because yeah. they, they have already experienced their own traumatizing events that shapes their way of interacting. And that's, I think you're right, yeah. Trevor. I think that's the, if, if you're in a situation where you're, you know, mentoring or raising a kid, like looking at your own problems and trying always to be better yourself so that you can be the best person you can be for that kid as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last piece of advice that I would like to inject in there is that if you have a fat kid in your life, um, I think one of the best ways to help them is the same way that you would help any other kid, which is to foster agency and a sense of competence. Like yes. you can, mm-hmm. you can act, you can do these things 
and you can excel at them. You can be good at them. And it doesn't have to be sports. It doesn't have to be weight loss oriented <laughs> stuff. Mm-hmm. Giving somebody a place where they feel like they belong, giving somebody a place where they feel like I'm good at this. I can contribute something. Those are the best gifts you can give to any kid, including fat kids. And mm-hmm. just th- th- don't think about t- in terms of like, how do I help them not become fat? Think in terms of how do I help them become a whole complete person excited to be here? You're here. Yes. Yeah. Do we have anything else on Sorry. childhood obesity? <laughs> Now that I'm ready to I go into have, the bathroom and slip my wrists. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> I get why kids like SpongeBob now. Because they're SpongeBob. <laughs> oh. I was like, because oh. they're held underwater? I don't understand. That took me a moment. <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, do we have a tip today? We have a. We have, oh, no. Yeah, you got, a, you got, you got a whole year's last, worth got of tips whole, last week. A whole bunch of tips. There, okay. uh, there was actually one, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> it's rem- I keep remembering it, like as I'm drifting off to sleep. I'm like, oh, we should talk about. And then I, yeah, <laughs> but no tips, but a bit. We do have a bit. So today, uh, since we were talking about uh, childhood obesity, I thought we would talk about some movies that feature larger children. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so boy. what I have done. <laughs> Is I have come up with some really bad descriptions of movies that you all know that feature a fat child in some way. Okay. Okay. okay? Uh, so, for example, um, I would give you the movie uh, description of slave owner sets death traps for children that he lures into his home with addictive substances. And I would be referring to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay, so we're going that direction. I was going to say chitty chitty bang bang. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Are we ready? Yes. Yes. Okay. A group of kids almost get murdered by Italians while trying to steal from a dead man and get sa- and uh get saved by an abused oh. child with super uh, superman. Buzz, oh, buzz, buzz. buzz. I did it first. Michael buzzed first. Michael yes. got it first. The Goonies. That is correct. Yay. The Goonies. The uh, shuffle shuffle. Can I just say, as a child growing up, I hated that movie as a child because of its portrayal I did of fat too. kids. Everyone, I felt yeah. wildly uncomfortable uh-huh. by the shuffle shuffle. Yeah, like, it really wildly uh-huh. uncomfortable. It just made me squirm in all the worst ways. I hated that. Yeah. 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 All right. Our next movie. Uh, children obsessed with a corpse fantasize about vomit-based vengeance stories. Oh, uh, Buzz. Yes. Trevor. Stand by me. That is correct. Oh, <laughs> interesting. I forgot the. I, yeah, <laughs> I forgot the, the second half of that. But yes, that I, that <laughs> is the thing that is seared into my memory is that entire vomit sequence with the pie eating. Yeah, I remember it now. I just I had the visuals are what lasted for me. Surprise, surprise. I mean, it's rough, but I think I don't know. It's all right. Uh, maybe the best vomit based revenge <laughs> sequence <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> I don't know, Trevor. There's so many. It's very memorable. Really narrow it down to just one. <laughs> All right. Our next movie. Children plot against their government and execute elaborate musical numbers during a war with Canada. Oh, Buzz. Oh. Michael? Fuck, I'm going to remember the full title, though. It's the South Park movie, right? But it's yep. there's a subtitle to it. It's... Uh, I know the, mm, hold, the subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people could see Michael bouncing up and down his chair right now. It's sort of adorable. <laughs> I just remember the game title, which is a stick of truth. Damn it. All right. Pass. Buzz. Trevor. South Park colon. Bigger, longer, and uncut. That's that is right. correct. <laughs> Damn well you, done. <laughs> I am dominant. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird like Eric Hartman is such a like this like is he a terrible role model or like he's Ter- the, the flip side of that is he is a very he he has no problem standing up for himself <laughs> yeah, which, which I yeah admire. I mean I really like that he just doesn't give a crap about his yeah. weight and he's just living his life he's he has a terrible life but he's just living it <laughs> um yeah I mean, he's a terrible human being but He's a terrible level of self-confidence is something everyone could admire. Well, I think what (laughs) we're getting at is the uh, American ideal of having no shame whatsoever. Yeah. He would be a mega guy. Um, Yeah. All right. This is the hard one. I've got, I've got two more of this one's the hard one. Uh, Pig worshiping bullies break a pair of glasses while on an extended field trip. 
Oh, I know Buzz, it, but I can't think of the name. Buzz. Dan. Buzz. I, Lord of the Flies. That is correct. Yes. Hey, Dan got one. I got I put, one. I put them, that one in there just for Dan. Thank Yay. you. <laughs> uh, Something old uh, enough that I, I have a shot at. <laughs> it's easy to forget that there is like a, there is a fat kid at the center of that story. Oh, and oh, he's the only I, character yeah. that doesn't have a name. Yep. Yep. But he's, he's also the only one that's sympathetic. Um, all right. Our last one of the day, a stowaway on a flight that goes horribly awry meets a very friendly mutant with a voice box. Why do I feel like I should know this? A stowaway on mm-hmm. a flight that goes horribly awry meets a very friendly mutant with a voice box. Uh. The flight that goes awry is not in what anyone would call a conventional vehicle. I feel like I should know this. I'm just failing to connect the dots. The very <laughs> friendly mutant with a voice box. Not all mutants are human. Oh. I kind of assumed they weren't. The voice all box right. part is what's throwing me. I don't know if I. The last, the last hint I'll throw out to this. The method by which the vehicle uh, that flies is helium. So it's not the tricycle in E.T. Buzz. Uh, I don't think this is right, but James and the Giant Peach? Nope. I was going to say that. Uh, um, right. The final hint. If you're all ready, this one will blow it for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I would want you to pay plenty of attention to this, but I can't help you. Squirrel! Oh, oh buzz. Up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's all of you. Yep. <laughs> Stowaway on a flight that goes horribly awry right, meets a very right. friendly mutant with a voice box. Up. I... Yeah, the voice box part threw me. Yeah. I knew he's, that I knew it. I just forgot that he's where, yeah, he has that collar on. Yep. Damn I it. was convinced I didn't know it, but then I did. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on, I Dan, got one. You knew all of these. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you do at home? Did you win? <laughs> <laughs> do you have a really bad movie description you'd like to share with other listeners? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a way that you can do that. How could they well, do that? You should follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Big Fat Gay Pod. <laughs> We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars there. Leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Mm-hmm. And leave us, yeah, leave us some more reviews. Uh, we, we've kind of hit a little, uh, you leave a review. Gosh darn it. Yeah. I <laughs> we need more. <laughs> we haven't um, gotten a review in a long time. Yeah. Sad. The last one's a, a puppy emoji. <laughs> 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 no. Anyway, um, <laughs> see all the lovely stuff we talked about here at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Yeah. Um, yeah. Happy Hanukkah. Maybe you're listening as you're uh, lighting your first candle on the menorah. And you look outside and it's Don and he's, he's waving. <laughs> and then. Um, <laughs> Something drops down on top of him. And oh, it's, no. It's Michael. <laughs> so. <laughs> Look out, Don. <laughs> it's raining, Michael. Hallelujah. It's raining, Michael. Amen. <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a wrap on childhood obesity. <laughs> that's a serious wrap on Don. He's now dead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just okay. glad that we had the opportunity to solve childhood obesity. Yeah, yeah, good job. We've done everybody. some good work. <laughs> <laughs>